Welcome back, one and all. This is CJ Ramos at it again, the podcast mercenary, a.k.a. the Mike for Hire, a.k.a. Cristian Joel Ramos, a.k.a. the Star Destroyer himself. To review episode 6 of The Mandalorian, titled The Prisoner, directed by Rick Famuyiwa once again. And this time, Rick steps it up a lot from the first time he directed it, and I'm happy because this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. This season, just breaking it down before I get into it, it's like if you mixed the Suicide Squad and you made the Mandalorian the Batman. I loved every moment and minute of it. But let's just, let me just get, elaborate. So we start off with Mando, right? He's contacting his former partner in crime from back in the old days, friend Ron. Ron is like one of the guys in Sons of Anarchy. I don't know which one because I'm not really that familiar with the show like I was a while ago. But the bigger, heavyset guy with the big beard. And he's at a docking bay in space. And Rand welcomes him in with open arms like, Hey Mando, we need uh, your ship for a five-man job. And uh, Mando's like, Well, you know, if you need my ship, then you technically need me because I'm not going to let you borrow my ship without me involved. And obviously Mando's all about that money. So he's trying to get that bounty hunter. He's trying to keep himself busy. So him and that little baby Yoda have a little back and forth, a cute back and forth. And he's just like, Stay in the ship. I got this. So he goes in, and um, he's welcomed by Ron's team. Ron used to be a guy that, or Ran, I don't know how sure to pronounce it, was a guy that used to be one of the guys running with him. But he's at an older age now. He's very much older than Mando by a lot. And, you know, he's, like, retired. He's like, I'm just a mechanic at a docking bay in space. I'm not trying to be out in the field. I can't hang like I used to. But I got this five-man squad. This right here is Mayfield, who's an ex-military sharpshooter from the, uh, the military. And at this point... Mando makes a stormtrooper joke that he can't shoot for beans. And he's like, no, I wasn't a stormtrooper. I was a sharpshooter. Like, he was trying to, like, let him know that I did not wear the bucket hat. I was a sharpshooter, okay? So, And it's played by none other than comedian Bill Burr, which I love from the get-go. I'm like, you got a Boston guy in space. It can't get any better than this right now. <laughs> so we also have a Berg by the name of Devarian. Definitely played by Clancy Brown. If it's not Clancy Brown, then I... Then then I owe you guys money because this guy sounds and acts and is the size of Clancy Brown. He's just covered in like Devorah from Dragon Ball uh, Z uh, makeup. Like he looks like a giant double man, you know what I mean? Like, But he's massively strong and very cocky because of it. Also in the team is uh, you got a droid who, uh, I forgot his actual serial number, but they just call him Zero. And of course Mando and Droid, they mix along so well, right? But he's just there to pilot the ship because they need the men to be actually in the uh, mission bay. He's just going to act as the heist, uh, what do you call it, like, you know, the car, the, the, uh, the driver. And also keep a lookout because he's, you know, he's got better sensors than humanoid beings, right? So this is the part where you also meet one of his exes, a Twi'lek by the name of Zian. And Zian is very slithery. This girl's got a definitely like a evil you know, snake-like vibe, like a Catwoman or like some sort of like, you know, temptress femme fatale type. And her and Mando had a thing back in the day that they don't want to talk about, elaborate, but you can get it from the tension of the of them back and forth. And Mayfield plays into this because he's like, oh, the whole thing about him in the helmet, and like she, I think he asked her, so what does he look like under that helmet? And he's like, and you know, very curiously, like, but not curiously curious, just like, so what does he look like, you know? And she's like, a lady never says. So, 
gets the audience to believe he's got a disfigurement or something. That's just the, the speculation from what I get from that, right? That's what I assume is one of the reasons why he won't take his helmet off from her in front of anybody because of, like, something from maybe previous combat or, or maybe, I don't know. It's just one of those things you overthink too much for no reason. So we go off and... Um, they need a fifth man for the job. And Mando obviously volunteering himself for it because he needs money. And also, he's not lending a ship to anybody because obviously that's where he's housing Baby Yoda. But also, it's his ship. If he doesn't have a ship, he's screwed in space. He's not going to have a way to get to and from where he needs to go. He's a hunted man. He's a wanted man. So he's like, yep, I'll do the job. So Bill Burr's character, Mayfield, is in the team with a thick Boston accent. He does not try to hide it. I love this because... People were online or on Twitter were blowing up like, I can't believe there's a Boston accident in a Star Wars series. I'm like, why not? How much sense does it make that in Star Wars, people of class, high class, have these uh, Queen's English accents, but regular folk don't exist? You can't tell me that everyone in space is either British or American. Well, typical American. You got to have various accents because this is a a world and you're only making a new set you know subclasses like this guy's obviously a commoner so he's got what could be considered a commoner's accent in this universe and i think it works perfectly because he's not from high class he's a ex-military guy who's now, who's now a scoundrel like han solo's character he's just going through mission to mission and make money to make earns earns meet but he's also really wise. So this is where they play into Bill Burr's comedy for sure this whole episode. And that's what I like about him. He's all about, he's ribbing Mando and the whole episode almost like a high school bully does. You know, just he's, he's messing with him. He's just naturally just to get a reaction out of him because Mandalorians are known not to react very well. They don't react at all. The only reaction you get out of a Mandalorian is you're going to get killed because they're very stoic by nature, which is where I get this whole batman dynamic when the batman has to interact with the villains he always is very stoic and doesn't show any emotion which is what i love this whole like dynamic of the back and forth right so in this episode it implies the that they're trying to do a rescue mission i'm assuming it's a rescue mission because they're gonna break into a intergalactic space station where you know, it's like a solitary prison somewhere in like a certain coordinate. So they're out to save someone. We don't know who at this point. So we head off and end up in the prison and everything is all stealth mode. So they're not trying to make a scene. They only got the Berg there as muscle in case things go awry. They're trying to use the Twilight, Mandalorian, and a sharpshooter. And even those zeros of the pilot to just take things easy. But of course, the Berg is there for muscle if anything goes awry. Because you just never know. So... They brief their missions and their assigned jobs, and then they head off. But on the way to the mission, right, they keep ribbing Mando. And uh, Bill Burr, I'm just calling him because Mayfield, right, he's having a chat with Mando, causing a fight to break out because he finally gets an, uh, a reaction out of him. And the reaction is that Mando's just sick of hearing him. It's not so much he's, a, he's mad at him, he's just annoyed and he just wants to be left alone. And everyone seems to pay him so much attention because they don't believe that the Mandalorians are the, like one of the best warrior classes in the universe. They've never seen one. They never, and they see him in person. They assume he'd be, he'd be taller. They assume he'd be more like menacing, more brolic. Like you know, he'd have a more of a presence. But he kind of looks like a regular dude, and that's fine because sometimes you never want to judge your opponent by 
appearances, you want to make sure that you actually uh, not underestimating your opponent because you never know what this guy's bag of tricks has. So, this is the part where they fly off in hyperspace. The fight breaks out, right? There's high tension, but then it's revealed because I believe um, the bird tried to muscle up or, you know, size up Mando and they had a little scuffle and it opened the hatch where Baby Yoda is kept. And this is where Mayfield goes into a rant and tirade, cracking jokes like, is this your pet? I've never had a pet before, but, you know, I figured one day I might have one. Like, you know, making a bunch of jokes, obviously it's a baby, but like, they never seen the species before. This is, no, this is a very new species in the whole galaxy. Which at this point kind of boggles my mind because this goes to show that Yoda's species have been very small in scale, but also, unless you're a Jedi, you wouldn't know what that species is. This is why we call him Baby Yoda. We still don't have a name. So they're there, and um, and it was very defensive because that's his uh, asset, but also it's like his, you know, um, surrogate child. It's like, leave him alone. Let's get back to the mission. So the bird gets on Ancy's and messes with a cleaning droid when they arrive in the mission. The first thing he does, he just goes up to the cleaning droid, little Roomba-looking robot, and messes with it. But the little droid moves away, and it caused the security droids to notice that something's not right. These security droids are pretty giant-sized. Not giant, but, you know, big-sized uh, threatening me uh, menaces. And this is where everyone's like, we wanted stealth. We did not want to engage so quickly. This is where Mando steps up to the plate and proves to the group, the whole team, this suicide squad, as I like to call them, of misfits, what he can do. And he pulls out every trick under the bag, takes down the squad of droids by himself with his grappling hook, flamethrower, uh, pistols. This guy is literally looking like Batman, taking them all down by himself. And this is where Mayfield's little, you know, smug, cocky grin changes. Goes into a, uh-oh, this guy's legit. Oh, wow, I really underestimated him. Now he's threatened. He's like, oh, man, this is the point where I should have, like, not talked that talk if I can't back it up. So he's like, I better, you know, this guy's a, now that he sees him as a threat, he kind of sees him for new eyes. And it's good because, it's, again, you don't want to underestimate a Mandalorian ever, even if you don't know what they are or haven't seen one in person. If you hear legends about him, there's a reason why there's legends about him. So... This is where we get into a weird point because everyone's showing out their skill set. You know, Mayfield's a good sharpshooter with a third arm, a robotic third arm on his back. Um, Zian is good with knives. She's like one of these like assassin type characters going through the droids. And um, they finally arrive to the control room. Mando wasn't told there'd be a human manning this, this mission, meaning that the security room was supposed to be just robots or you know control panels there's been nothing but robot security guards so why would there be a human involved or any kind of living creature so this is where we get into what i like to call a mexican standoff because they get the control room mando didn't think there'd be a person there on board the ship and everyone wants to kill the control room guy it's a Mando because his creed of conduct is don't engage unless you have to he's not a killer he's not an assassin he's a bounty hunter if he doesn't have to kill, he doesn't want to kill. Killing is his last resort. Suffocation, no breathing, don't give it. No, I'm kidding, I'm just quoting Papa Roach. <laughs> so yeah, this is the part where um, we have Mayfield, we have uh, Devorah, Devorian, sorry, and we have uh, Mando 
pointing guns at each other with the security guy pointing guns at them as well. And he's all nervous. He's like, I'm going to die, aren't I? And this is where Xi'an just can't take it anymore. And she's the one that ends up killing the guy with her knives. And she's like, all right, job is done. Let's keep it moving. Because she's an assassin. What does she care about life? She doesn't have a creed or conduct. She wants to kill for the sake of killing. So this is the part where um, they realize that the guy in the control room, because the reason they were all there pointing the guns and trying to calm him down is because he had a he had a beacon that if it hit the button, it would activate the Republic to come in, you know, like a SOS. And the last thing you want is a Starfleet of X-Wings shooting you down or arresting you because you're already within the walls of a prison. So it's not that hard for them to keep you in there and get you locked up in the cells. Pilots to figure out what's going on. And the alert has been hit when he fell in his death. And this is where they go to a... Um, prison room and find it and they find out the person trying to save is actually some guy named Quinn who happens to be Xeon's older brother and I've never seen a male Twi'lek in the actual Star Wars universe so he looks a little bit more like a ram than a typical like regular person with tentacle hair so he looks a little bit more you know stronger I guess they're trying to go for the more masculine look but off the bat I don't trust this guy I already see you know he has uh malintent in his eyes and he's not to be trusted so I'm very you know, weary this guy, and I'm pretty sure Mando is as well. So, as they get him out, what do they do? The whole team turns on the Mandalorian and puts him in the cell before the cell automatically shuts down. And even Zion's like, "Sorry, love, but uh, this is what you get for um, whatever happened last time." I guess they had some sort of beef that, it, you know, didn't work out. Whatever it was, um, that mission went bad. You know, that kind of whole ordeal. So Mandalorian's stuck in this cell trying to escape while the team's trying to escape on his ship. So you got a bitter ex and a squad of scumbags trying to, you know, confiscate your ship with your baby Yoda on board, mind you. But what's going on on board? Baby Yoda is there and he's walking and curious about this droid manning the cockpit. And the droid looks at him like nothing, like, okay, there's a baby on board and what? And this is where things get funny, because Baby Yoda uses his force powers not to mess with the droid, but to mess with the radio comm, so that way Zero can't contact the team within the cell. So they have no uh, recollection of what's going to happen after said comments, so pretty much they don't know they're come, they, you know, the, the Republic's coming for them. Or is closing in on them, I should say, because they know they're just coming for them because of the beacon that the guy that got killed in the little uh, prison control room did, but... They need Zero there as the lookout, right? So Mando finally escapes the cell and turns the ship black. This is where Mandalorian goes all Batman. On the ship, Zero gives some briefing, finally. But the communication is down because Baby Yoda is on board messing with him again. So it's like a back and forth. He's like looking for Baby Yoda on the ship. Like, where did this kid come from? He's an annoyance. I better take care of this. So the door closes on the team and splits them into pairs. One, two on one side, two on another. Mayfield and Quinn are on one side, but they turn on his own sister and the Berg. Quinn convinces Mayfield, hey, let's leave him. We escaped. We'll just go back and say, hey, whatever happens, happens. Because this is one of those missions where no questions are asked, right? But the fact that your own sister came to rescue you and you abandoned her, that shows you're really a bad person. Like, you don't care for anyone but yourself. So, you know, this guy's a jerk. Off the bat, Quinn's the perfect uh, quintessential bad guy. And Mayfield goes along with it because he doesn't want to get imprisoned. I want her neither. 
So the Berg actually finds Mando, and they duke it out. And what a fight it was. It's like size, this uh, disproportion. It's just like he's playing uh, the underdog, getting his butt whoops. And they, all of a sudden, they end up in that control room where uh, the guy that was killed, and he hits a door to close it on him. So the Berg obviously has some superhuman strength. He's able to keep the doors open. But then Mando reacts quickly and closes the other doors because every pair of doors, you're in space. It's a vacuum. You not only need two side doors, but two up and down panel doors. So the up and down panel doors uh, crash on him and you think he gets decapitated, but they don't show anything. All right, so that takes care of Berg. The Berg. Um, and um, now they're going for the Twilight, I believe. Nope, they're not. Next up is... Xi'an. Xi'an is uh, snuck by Mando, and she's taken out quickly. And she's using her knives at him, her martial arts, but it's like a nice little, like, they both run up each other, but it, he gets the best of her, and it's assumed she dies. Again, these deaths are all happening off screen. Mando is going killer mode because it's either this team or the baby. And um, to protect the baby, he'll do whatever. So if he's got to kill, guess what? He's going to kill. And then... This is where Mayfield is, uh, everything's red, you know, like in that, like, mystique where it's a blackout in a ship or a submarine, everything goes, like, red. And he's looking around. And Mandalorian pulls the ultimate, quote-unquote, Batman trick. He sneaks up behind him. Mayfield turns around and screams, and then, again, implied death. This is where Quinn is left. He's ready to escape on a hatch and climb up a ladder, but then he's uh, cornered by Man Mandalorian himself. And he takes him on. And they fight for a little bit. Or do they? You don't know. You assume something happens. Bet he is taken to the boss regardless. So he wasn't killed. This is the one character they show that he didn't get killed. So the boss takes him, Ran, um, is happy that Quinn's back. But he's wondering, where's the rest of my team? And um, it pays. he pays him handsomely. You know, so Mandalorian gets the whole, you know, bounty. Like a whole um, bag, essentially. Because he was going to split it five ways, but it seems like only one out of five returned. And Mando, of course, like his uh, mission statement, you said no questions asked, right? So again, Mando keeps all the riches, and he returns his uh, mark. Bet, this is actually a double cross, because Ron, or Ran, I, keep, I don't care how his name is pronounced, Ran and uh, Quinn, they're in cahoots, obviously. What they're going to do is take down his ship with an X-Wing that they have in their docking bay. As soon as he flies out, they're going to send his pilot out to shoot him down. So they'll keep all his money and get rid of the Mandalorian once and for all. Because apparently there is some ill will with Ron and uh, Mando. Little do they know. The tracking beacon that the guy had in the secure room that got killed, Mando had it. And he planted it on their space station. And at this point, the beacon's been going off for a while. So what happens? Three X-Wings show up at this base. They shoot down and destroy this um, this uh, headquarters of Rand. And that's the end of them. And the whole crew, who we thought got killed, in actuality, just ended up getting arrested. Mando didn't kill anybody. He, can, he, he kept his code of honor. If he's able to disman a team instead of killing them, he would. And that's what he did. He played the hero role. He's not a anti-hero or a villain. 
he is has got a code of conduct and honor. And if he doesn't need to kill former exes and a team of ruffians who just are over their head, he doesn't want to. And this is where we end off with him flying into the sunset, but we're in space, so there's no sun specifically in these points. And him and Baby Yoda fly off. And that's what I like about this episode. This episode was way better than Rick's first attempt. Because, not that I didn't like the Jawas, not that I didn't like the uh, Rhino that he fought. It was a simple episode. Very simple. This episode was convoluted as hell. Because you had a team of um, misfits who don't like each other, who are there for one sole purpose. It's almost like, you know, pirates, you know, turning on each other. Um, and I like how in the end, everyone got double-crossed. Even the uh, the guy who gave you the briefing of the mission. Goes to show karma exists in space. But also, you don't cross a Mandalorian. That is for certain. You never cross a Mandalorian. So this episode was fun. Super fun. And I'm glad to see that the show is finally playing into like the Rebels element. Because it felt like a live action episode of Rebels. And that's what I loved about this episode. This one was so much fun. Because Mando played the quintessential dark archetype hero who has this honor system that he doesn't betray. And he could have killed off this whole team, but he let them live so they can think over their thoughts in prison for who knows how long. So safe to say, it, season two, we might see these guys again, and they're going to be off for revenge for sure. So stay tuned for the next review. I can't wait our episode seven and eight lead from here because... So far, it's going upwards ever since episode four. So this is a fun, fun episode. I like that they introduce certain species of uh, aliens in the Star Wars mythos that we haven't seen in live action or we haven't seen in a while, period. And the inclusion of characters with strong personalities gave me a whole Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. Like, these characters aren't your typical blah-da-blah, you know, characters in space. They're really fun. They all have personalities. They're all very vastly different and this is what makes the show good that these characters are people it's not just you know guys in space it's people in space that literally have everyday human emotions reactions and personalities there's no character that doesn't seem too wooden everyone's got charisma to them and that's what i like that they're adding things you wouldn't typically see in a space saga opera fantasy show they're actually making it more like not compared to guardians but they're adding more levity, they're adding more realism, they're adding more humanity. So this intergalactic space episode could have literally taken place in a regular prison cell, could have regularly taken place in a, any other location because it wasn't about the science fiction. It was about the story being told and the psychology of these people being deceitful and not trusting each other. That's what I liked about it. It could have taken place in a ship. It could have taken place in the middle of a desert. It's just such a good plot where it, who do we trust and who do we not trust who do we turn on who do we you know it's like a good versus evil uh morality there we go morality take on a you know where do your allegiances lie and that's what i like about this episode it wasn't your typical i don't say my typical mandalorian episode because they all been vastly different but it wasn't your typical star wars story it had way more depth and character building so this episode will get a five-star review that's right, Rick. You redeemed yourself. I love this episode so much, I'm giving it five stars. Because I can watch it over and over again. And it's like watching a movie. It's just that much of an enjoyment. So, if you like this review, stay tuned for episode seven at this point. Yes, episode seven will be the next one. 
And as always, stay tuned for more CJR Media Reviews, and may the force be with you.